I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The area around 16th and Mission Streets in San Francisco is best known for the BART station, a gateway to the neighborhood's busy community and nightlife culture. It's also the location of a former retail complex that has had a long history. For years, the site was called the Monster in the Mission. It was the focus of a decade-long battle between a developer who wanted to build market-rate housing there and community groups who resisted it because of concerns about gentrification. Eventually, the activists won, and San Francisco took over ownership of the empty site. Now, the city plans to build 100% affordable housing on it. That project won't break ground until 2025. And in the meantime, Supervisor Hillary Ronan wants to use it for something else. 70 tiny cabins. They're each only 64 square feet. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Trisha Thadani discusses Supervisor Ronan's proposal and why tiny cabins could be a game changer for San Francisco's homeless crisis. Other cities like San Jose and Oakland have been using the model. Are tiny cabins a good investment and an effective path to permanent housing? Trisha Thadani, great to have you back on Fifth Emission. Thank you for having me. So, Trisha, you've been on the show quite a bit to talk about San Francisco's homelessness crisis. And most often, we've zeroed in on the issue in neighborhoods like Soma and the Tenderloin. How has the homelessness crisis played out in the Mission District in recent years? So the Mission historically has not gotten as much attention when it comes to the homelessness crisis as other neighborhoods, like you mentioned, like Tenderloin and Soma. But really, you can see it in the data and also walking around in the neighborhood. And as a resident of the mission, I also see this every day when I'm walking in the neighborhood, that things really do seem like it has gotten worse. I mean, you see more people curled up in storefronts, see tents lining entire blocks. The situation has really deteriorated over the last couple of years in particular. And Supervisor Hillary Ronan recently has really started sounding the alarm that this neighborhood needs way more attention than it's been getting. And it's also important to note here, Tricia, that the city as a whole has been under quite a bit of scrutiny by the federal courts on how the city is handling homelessness. Tell me more about what's been going on recently. So a really big ruling came down at the end of last year where a judge actually temporarily banned San Francisco police from clearing most homeless encampments and citing people for sleeping in public or enforcing other laws that are basically aimed at homeless people. And at its core, the reason behind that is because the judge made the argument that San Francisco does not have enough shelter space or places that are inside for homeless people to go. And therefore, it's in violation of the city's own laws that says that you can't move a homeless person unless you have somewhere for them to go. Now, the city is working on figuring out how exactly it can enforce this. Practically, you know, there's been criticism from some people, including Mayor London Breed and city attorney David Chu, saying that, like, this is just not really viable. And the city is still in the midst of discussing of how this will actually play out in reality. Well, this points to San Francisco's need for temporary housing. And the city owns this plot of land next to the 16th Street BART station. And currently it's slotted for 100 percent affordable housing. And that project won't break ground until 2025. And until then, Supervisor Hilly Ronan has proposed using that land for tiny cabin homes. How's that different from other temporary housing options that San Francisco currently provides? 
So the main distinguishing factor of these tiny cabins is that they are basically little homes. You know, it's it's in the name. They are actual structures that have heat and they're tiny. They're 65 square feet, but, you know, there's enough room for a bed, for a desk, and people get their own lock and their own key. And that is incredibly different from what the city has historically had, which, you know, obviously started with these congregate shelters where it's it's hardly more than just like a mat on the ground around dozens and dozens of other people. There's no privacy. And then we had something called a navigation center, which was an upgrade from sort of these classic congregate shelters, but still lacked privacy. And then during the pandemic, there was a new model that the city had started experimenting with called safe sleeping villages, which were tents that were in these empty plots of land. But they were still tents, which makes it vulnerable to all the weather conditions like what we've seen in the first week of January with the massive storms that flooded parts of the city. So other Bay Area cities have really been doubling down on using these cabins as kind of the next frontier in shelter and temporary housing. And they've generally had pretty positive results. I mean, it's hard to compete with the idea of having like your own lock and key and your own space versus a tent or or a congregate shelter. And you're talking about cities like Oakland and San Jose using this model. It is good to point out that San Francisco does have one tiny cabin village site on Gough Street right now. How has the site at Gough Street worked out so far? I have so far only really heard positive things about the site on Gough Street. Supervisor Hillary Ronan told me that she had recently toured the site and she was just absolutely blown away and impressed with how orderly, how clean, how quiet, how dignified it was. And, you know, she's been doing this work for a while, and she said it was just so different from all the other temporary housing and shelter that she's seen in her career. And why might an unhoused person prefer this option over something else? You're mentioning things like security, it has heat. It just has this semblance of a home more so than the other options. Exactly. And I think the main thing that really stuck with me that Supervisor Hillary Ronan said is that it there was really just a sense of dignity there. You can lock up your stuff and when it's cold outside, you can turn the heat on. You have a bed that's raised off the ground that you can sleep on. Study after study has proven that when someone is in a space where they feel respected and safe and they have their basic needs met, that's when they can start sort of moving forward and focusing on other things in their life that they've been wanting to work on. More with reporter Trisha Thadani after a quick break. How much would a tiny cabin village on 16th and Mission cost and how would the city measure its success? We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Trisha Thadani, we've been discussing the benefits of tiny cabins, but while all this sounds good, especially for unhoused residents, How much would something like this cost? Many San Francisco residents are critical about how the city chooses to spend its money. So at 33 Goff, it cost about $15,000 to construct one of these cabins. And then it was about another $15,000 to pay for all the amenities like the services, the security, the bathrooms, etc. So that will come out to all in all $30,000 per cabin. 
So to put that into perspective, the city also had a tent program where they were basically during the pandemic were sheltering people in tents. And we did the math on that. And at one point during the pandemic, it was coming out to $61,000 per tent. So it's not hard to see how this is incredibly more cost effective than that and also might have better outcomes because it is more dignified housing than a tent. Now, for the mission site, that is looking like it will be a lot more expensive just for myriad reasons of the cost of the lease and rising construction costs. But at the end of the day, I mean, to really solve someone's homelessness, that is going to take money from the city and take an investment from taxpayers. Are tiny cabins an effective path to more permanent housing for residents? That's that's the goal. We don't have data on it yet. It is a relatively new program, but the goal ultimately is to help people kind of rebuild their lives. That's why there's an emphasis of having pretty robust services on site where there are case managers who, in theory, are there to help connect people to longer-term mental health care, substance use treatment, etc. So it, it really remains to be seen what the ultimate impact of these cabins are. But again, you really just can't beat sort of like the stability that someone can get from being able to have like a a roof over their head, albeit a small one, but a roof nonetheless. And would this project be something that is in partnership between the city and nonprofit operators, similar to the SROs, which we've discussed on the show before? Like most of San Francisco's homeless services, this will also likely be contracted out to a nonprofit. That nonprofit has not been chosen yet. But as we've discussed, when it comes to the city's permanent supportive housing, which mostly run by nonprofits within the city, the outcomes and the oversight is questionable. I spoke to one mission resident. He's the president of a parent-teacher association at Marshall Elementary School, which is right around the corner from this proposed site. And that was his main concern. He was like, I know that we do need more solutions and more temporary housing within San Francisco and particularly within the mission. But how will the city measure success? Like, how can we sort of be guaranteed that a model like this will actually lead to actual outcomes? And that's always been kind of the main tension and question when it comes to these services that have been contracted out to the nonprofits. Now, the city this year is creating an oversight commission for the Department of Homelessness, where, in theory, one of their goals is to create more accountability for these nonprofit providers. So, again, that also remains to be seen of, of what will happen with that. Now, you've mentioned that San Francisco has been sort of slow to adopt this model compared to other cities. Will this mission project be a type of litmus test potentially for more tiny cabin villages in San Francisco? Yeah. So it's also important to note that it isn't a done deal yet. By law, there needs to be kind of a series of community meetings. And Supervisor Hillary Ronan is really eager to get that input from the community before actually moving forward. She's really desperate to put this empty plot of land to use, and especially in a neighborhood which could really, really use the help and use some more options. Because this is only the second tiny cabin village that we will have in San Francisco, all eyes will be on this one to see what kind of improvements it'll make in the neighborhood. Trisha, you've explored a lot of different kinds of housing options as an answer to the homelessness crisis in the city. Why is this unique to you? 
Yeah, this really does feel like a shift in strategy from the Department of Homelessness, which has been very, very focused in the last couple of years on creating more permanent supportive housing, which is more long-term housing for those who are on the streets. And now while that's really important, creating such units and acquiring such units is both very expensive and time-consuming. There is a need to create sort of desirable options that will more immediately get people off the street in a quicker way than what we currently have. They're signaling a shift in strategy where they're looking more deeply at the stock that they actually have and the services that they're offering. Because what you do hear often is when people are offered services, there's sometimes a lot of resistance. And when you look at what is available Sometimes you can't really even blame someone from not wanting to go inside when what their option is is a cot when they're sleeping around dozens of other people. In talking to advocates and city leaders, there is a lot of hope in this tiny cabins model that this could be like a really effective strategy for the city to invest more in. Now it just needs the political will and the money and the investment to be able to expand it. Mm. It's fascinating. Trisha, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Trisha Thadani covers City Hall for The Chronicle. Find her story about the tiny cabin village proposal at 16th and Mission at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thank you to Gary Baca for editing this episode and to King Kaufman and Francesca Fenzi for the production help. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 